Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what is up, everybody? We got him. We got him, everybody. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Johnson from the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and the Sportsman's Empire, Empire, yeah. Podcast Network slash Outdoor Network. You're doing yep. all all great things in the uh, the outdoor content realm, Dan. What's going on, man? We had you here. You've been visiting here at Vortex today, yep. so it's been lovely. Yeah, thank you for swinging by. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, yeah. What uh, What do you think of Wisconsin? Not your first trip here. Not my first trip to Wisconsin. It's actually I, I love the state of Wisconsin. It's gorgeous especially along the, the mississippi river but i had a buddy live just east of here in madison or south of madison for several years so i would drive the interstate right by your guys's facility three times four times a summer when i'd go up to his cabin and uh hang with him and uh i'd, I'd always see it from the interstate and like i said earlier today it didn't look as big as what it is mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. this place is huge man it's growing it's growing over time yeah. for sure Man, like we're just talking. It's like it's so crazy. We've known each other, I guess, like 2006, I think. Yeah. I mean, since, you know, via, I guess, mostly like email or phone or something like that. And it's just like, it's so crazy to me that this is really like the first time we're getting to visit. Like, it doesn't feel like the first time we're getting to visit face to face, which I guess that's the magic of uh, the electronic connectivity we have these days. But, uh, no, man, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. It's awesome having you here. So it's been fun. Yeah. I appreciate everything, guys. Uh, Like, like I said, it's cool. This, this world that we live in, there's so many people, like it's just this spider web of people and, uh, you don't, you get, it's almost like you get to know them, especially in today's technology through phone calls and stuff. And it's like, well, I know you, this is the first time I've ever seen you with my own eyeballs, but I feel like I know everything about you in a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. We were going over Dan. I'll just, I'll just uh, say it. You're, you're charismatic pretty fun dude <laughs> so we were going over the uh the uh the you, you were kind of asking some of the i guess the, the parameters of the podcast right. as far as uh you know language goes yeah. and we keep it we keep it pretty clean around here the occasional bleep but i was like man if i if i had it my way <laughs> we'd be uh, we'd be going full dan right now but i gotta tone it down like it's funny once kids get brought into the world mm-hmm. the levels of everything shift and everything has to change so Unless I'm extremely angry and the fuse has been worked all day long, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then my kids don't ever get to see the, and God, thank God, they don't right. get to see the, the 20-year-old Dan Johnson or the even early 30-year-old Dan Johnson. It's, uh, I don't know, and you just get older and you get wiser and I don't know, you, you're able to say, <laughs> you're able to say the same thing with less descriptive words, if you know what I mean. You become, uh, creatively articulate there you go there you go sometimes i don't feel like it carries the same weight uh you want trust me if uh i want someone's attention i'll i'll say i'll say what i feel but uh i don't know things change yeah they do man they do kids change everything i I always say they are they're the most uh they're they're all consuming life changing Nothing about your life is yours or about you anymore, and yet somehow they're uh, the, 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 they're the best thing ever <laughs> exactly. at the same time. Exactly, so. it's like when Homer Simpson in the uh, uh, in the Simpson says, like alcohol is the the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> right, it, that's almost like you could describe kids that way too. It's like I love everything about my children, but I hate everything about my children at the yes, same time yes it has it brings me great joy and right. it has the also the ability to destroy my life exactly yeah exactly that's a pretty that i would never <laughs> have uh made that analogy but uh thank you homer simpson exactly and, and thank you dan for for bringing that to us <laughs> today what to, i know you're in iowa now right are you right. always from iowa where, where are you from man yeah man so i was born and raised iowan come from uh uh, a family of farmers basically now, now my parents didn't farm they went other direction but my grandparents were farmers small farmers small acreage uh in iowa like so small that if you were to farm that same amount of acres today you couldn't make it oh wow yeah. okay yeah so so small farmers just that small town feel small town family north north central iowa really mm-hmm. northern iowa 
flat, way flatter up there. The, you know, you don't talk about the big deer in that part of the state like you would in, in other states. But that's where, I guess, the, the start of the Dan Johnson story kind of, I know that's chapter one, I guess you'd say. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then what part of Iowa, are you in that same region of Iowa now? or? So I am southeast of there about an hour and a half now in okay. between two big in between two bigger cities so okay. yeah east eastern side of the state i'm 40 minutes 45 minutes from illinois gotcha yeah lifelong hunter how'd you get into that man that's a crazy story like again mom and dad didn't hunt but wow yeah but i i was brought into the outdoors through farming right so it was one of those things where it's too nice of a day to be inside go outside there was no like we we grew up on the farm because my parents would go to work, they would drop us off at my uh, grandparents, and they they didn't allow like, hey, you're gonna sit in front of a TV all day. There was mm-hmm. no internet, you know. There was here, go out and play in the barn, go out and play. So it was just like picking up rocks, looking at worms. Oh, look at that bird. Let's throw rocks at it. You know, like <laughs> let, you know, just all this crazy um, learning about nature just from being in nature. Like, ooh, that thing will stick you. That thing will make you itch. That thing, you know, like. Ooh, that's sappy or whatever and, mm-hmm. and it just like so it was just an outdoor thing like my dad would take me and my little brother fishing okay mm-hmm. nothing serious just like carp and bullheads i had a i had two uncles who were trappers so oh, cool. yeah so we would run trap lines every once in a while what would you trap uh muskrat and whatever else got caught in the trap sure i think mostly they were going for muskrat sometimes beavers but most of the time it was like and coons right so okay so my uncle he would we would run trap lines every once in a while but then for a while there he was in college and so my grandma had to run the trap lines while he was at college because he played football and so I was that kid who was tagging along and I would carry the baseball bat oh dear (laughs) and it was like uh go get him you know, and so then my grandma would take him out of the trap, throw him in the back of the truck, and we'd we'd run this little waterway over by where my grandma lived. And those are just some of the the, the beginning of the outdoor memories. And and from there, it just it wasn't anything consistent. It was like, hey, I go up to visit. Then we moved to uh, southern Iowa, and we would go and visit my grand my grandparents up in northern Iowa. And my uncles would be like, hey, let's go pheasant hunting this time. So during the holidays, we'd go pheasant hunting or we would um, go fishing or we would just go do something at the same time, still going fishing down, you know, down home. And then that was kind of it because mm-hmm. then you get into school and then you get into sports. I was I was introduced into deer hunting, bow hunting somewhere around 12 years old. Uh, and then so that's when I, I oh, started, okay. but. I didn't, it wasn't anything serious at that gotcha. point. Yeah. 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 I think about some of even like, uh, when you're like, ah, oh, you know, I started like back when I lived in Washington, I was a very, uh, casual bear hunter. Like it was something yeah. that I could do because it was rifle hunting in August. Yeah. And now I'm like, why didn't I take that seriously? That was so cool. You yeah. brought up, uh, you're like, oh, you know, you're a kid and it's, it's, uh, interesting, you know, just the stuff that you do as a kid, you're like, you're outside and you brought, you ever, uh, you brought up throwing a rock, you ever kill a bird with a rock? <laughs> I don't know, but I will tell you a story about the time that I have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just keep. Going. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I'll, I'm just going to say this. So, the two biggest influences in my entire life are my sets of grandparents, mm-hmm. like just from like a work ethic standpoint and things like that. And so, but it was cool about them because they were grandparents, right? They let you do whatever you want. If you want ice cream right before supper, you get ice cream right before supper. You know, like that kind of, th- those kind of grandparents. Yeah. I mean, which is actually, I mean, that, dude, that's their job. Exactly. You know? So they spoiled, they spoiled us. And the only time I ever saw my one grandpa Dwayne, he, he got mad at me. Uh-oh. I took two bales ahead. Which is like the, like the worst. I'm sure it hit home like crazy. Like, oh my gosh. He's mad. Yeah. Yeah. He's mad. I never, I've never seen this side of him before in my life. He was furious with me but i had a i had a bb gun went out i went to the barn got two bales of hay i set it out in there in the as it's out in the farm right in front of a bird feeder (laughs) dude i was popping cardinals and finches and like all these animals like he he thought i was theoretically yeah theoretically yeah he he thought i was supposed to be in the barn shooting sparrows or pigeons right here i am and this is where I, I knew hunting was in me at some point when you're building a ground blind at, 
(laughs) (laughs) And he comes back in the driveway from coming out in the field and he sees me behind, um, uh, me and my brother behind this, these bales of hay. My brother sees him. He looks at me and my brother takes off running. I'm like, it's great, but he's not going to be mad at this. Why would he be mad at this? You know, meanwhile, there's a stack of robins or whatever (laughs) underneath this. Um, he's going to be stoked. I've got seven. Exactly. And so he walks up to me and he's just, he see, he looks at the pile and he looks at me and he let me have it. And then, but the, the thing about it is he gave me the gun back and he's like, only shoot sparrows and pigeons. And then that was it. Yeah. Right. So I don't know that uh, that's just a funny story from the, the, uh, when my grandparents were alive back in, you know, like. 86 or something like that. Yep. I mean, you bring up like uh, something, in, what I think is interesting, like you said, like, you know, when you're an, an adolescent, you know, like, I guess for you and I, you know, like, you don't have that, like, uh, governor. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you didn't think there's, you know, you wouldn't be like, <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. You know, you're like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, the, the, right. but I think it's like that, that inner hunter just like expressing itself, right. you know, like. You know, I say I probably shouldn't have had a BB gun either, right. you know, like, but then I, but I say that like looking back now, it was actually the best thing that I could right. have had, you know, like, right. uh, and eventually you, uh, at least I know for myself, like, and it sounds like you, like you kind of go from like, uh, somewhat indiscriminate, but you, you don't really, uh, you're not thinking about it in that way. You're just kind of, like I said, like expressing that inner hunter and then you're like, okay, now I'm I selective harvest on starlings. Yeah. You know, that became my yeah, thing. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But, uh, no, that's too funny, man. But, uh, and I think it's a good example also, like, you're just like out there, like, trying to figure it out. Like, yeah. okay, well, how, how can I be more effective? What strategy? I should, well, these, apparently I need to hide a little bit better, you know? <laughs> Why are they running away, flying away when I get close? Yeah. Yeah. You brought bow hunting about 12, like 12. So that's early. Like, when you're like, oh, I didn't really grow up in a hunting family. Like, bow hunting about 12, though. Like, that's still, that's young. Yeah. It, it was, it was more of an archery thing, right? Okay. So, so it was a, like this turquoise fiberglass traditional bow. Okay. Right. Yeah. But, and it was like a handful of arrows and that's where it kind of started. I remember going into uh, uh, the woods, sitting on a bucket and just like so close to the road, I could see my mom's reflection of her windshield on the, uh, on the road. I don't even know if I knocked on door to get permission on this farm. Right. Right. So this is like early nineties. And so I walk in and. I just sit in the woods. My mom didn't know really what to, what was going on and uh, had a stepdad at the time who did a little hunting. And, and so every once in a while I'd go out with him and things like that. But it was never it was never serious. Uh-huh. Right. I enjoyed doing it, but I was always thinking about like hanging out with friends and sports and mm-hmm. student council and things like that. And went through middle school, did some, you know, still doing a lot of fishing and when I say a lot, I mean on the weekends or riding a bike to a pond and or a buddy's farm and going fishing like that. And even through high school, I would do a little hunting, but then, you know, during the fall, you had football games. Mm-hmm. And so you're tired Saturday mornings and then maybe you'd go out Saturday night, but probably not because there was girls to chase or, you know, so then that left Sunday morning or Sunday night. And then, you know, it was just, it really didn't. I enjoyed doing it, but it really didn't take hold quite mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it had to do because what, like, I just didn't understand it quite yet. What, mm-hmm. what the point of it was. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I grew up in a, uh, in a hunting family. So like very, I would right. say like the easiest, most natural path into it. And I was definitely into it in our state. We had, uh, you had to pick, so you had, you could either bow rifle or muzzleloader. So yeah. I grew up in a rifle hunting family, but that always took place in uh you know october november those were the months that we hunted in so yeah again we'd have football on friday and uh on saturday we'd have saturday practice but i probably should have told the coach that i was never going to show up for saturday <laughs> practice because i never showed up for a single saturday because it was during deer season and i'm like right. oh, i don't know they'll understand right didn't see too much friday night time either which right i don't know if there's like a correlation you must not have been a natural athlete there. There. <laughs> yeah uh i think it was maybe a combination of things right. actually right. but and also i guess yeah i was uh you know i didn't have girls to chase on yeah saturday night like you did dan so <laughs> i go. didn't either i still chased him <laughs> Like that two-year-old box exactly. around. 
No, I'm not getting any of the action. I'm just I'm practicing for when it does come. Down. I'm doing a lot of running though. I've run That's quite right. a bit. I'm getting some good exercise. So what? Um, so what was like that tipping point then? When you're like, got you're obviously very serious now. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was like, or was it just like a gradual progression, or was it like no, like one thing was just like bam, like no wait, this is like my life. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I, I had my life the years 2006. Okay. And my life is like a country western song at this point. Like lost my job, lost, you know, I I moved I was down in Alabama for a handful of years. I moved back to Iowa. Okay. Um had a girlfriend at the time. Uh you know, like oh, we're in love, we're going to get married, blah blah blah. That didn't happen. That mm-hmm. ended. Um lost my house, had to lo- move back in with uh because you know, like d- double income. Mm-hmm. I lost my job. Here I am, like 26 years old. Like life, all of a sudden, just goes in a completely different direction, right? And I had to move back in with my parents and my buddy, uh, who I hung out with a lot back then. Uh, we're still good friends today. My buddy Brent, and uh, he's like, "Dude, I, you got to meet this guy. You got to. I got a guy you should meet." I'm like, "Okay, what what's special about this guy?" Well, he's a he's a He's a big time deer hunter. He likes to deer hunt. And I'm like, yeah, okay, man, I'll meet the guy, meet him at a bar. And so that's, that guy is Todd Prignance. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. That's the connection with white knuckle. Mm -hmm. All right. So I meet, I meet this guy. I'm going through this really rough time in my life, right? I'm, I'm drinking a lot. Okay. Like dumb drinking a lot and not making good decisions. Just like if I, I look back at myself then and I go, that version of me was just a piece of shit. Okay. Just right. not a good, not a good person. You don't want to be around this person, you know, like maybe we've all gone through a phase like that. Well, I think, I think we do. And then you have yeah. kind of like, uh, I mean, like you kind of got everything at once there. It's like your yeah. life got struck by a meteor, exactly. you know, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're put in a spot and then like you said, you're not necessarily doing yourself any favors, but right. it's just kind of the spot that you're in. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people can identify with that. Yep. So now, now going back to 2005 where I get, when I got the finger cut off, I had all the, I had this insurance money. Okay. So this is money I got from getting my finger cut off. I used that money in 2006 to buy a bow buy a video camera and there was one day in the woods in early October when I was sitting in a tree and I I, I didn't see any deer really it it was just one of those beautiful the leaves are all still on the tree vibrant colors the sun is setting and there's like this tint to the air it's like this yellow like the maples like all these maple trees you know like just gorgeous Dude, I took a picture. I'll have to show you a picture after yeah. the podcast. I, anyway, yeah, I can yeah. picture it. And something hit me right there. And it was just like, I love where I'm at right now. I love this. This, like, I can almost feel the air, smell the smells from that moment. Wow. Right now. And just remember where it was like a, a beacon of light <laughs> kind of was, sh- was shining down on me saying, dude, this, you got to do this more often. And, yeah. and I said to myself, I want to do this as much as possible every single day. And that's even without killing a deer at this point. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, a couple, a couple days later, I shot my first doe. And then later in, later in November, I shot my very first buck with a bow. I didn't know about deer hunting at this point still. Right. And so it was that first season that really built the foundation and solidified this the beginning of what was this ingrained passion whether i had it in me and it it needed that moment to come out Mm -hmm. or it was that particular moment that changed my life right so so we had this this moment and then again my life just goes and since 2006 it has been about deer hunting and been about bow hunting specifically i I think I've killed one deer with a gun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and I don't gun hunt anymore uh, except for turkey hunting. It's all about archery for me. It's all about the pursuit of these animals. It's all about getting outside. And then so it's just this flood 
Yeah. Uh, and it's like the only, like I joke, I joke with some of uh, my friends who are in softball leagues or they go to the bars at night with, you know, or they have fantasy football and things like that. I don't do any of that stuff. I do deer hunting right? <laughs> or I take some trips out West to bow hunt. The rest of the time in my life is with family and with my kids and being a coach and with prepping and planning for the next, yeah, you know, the next bow hunt. So that in, in 2006 was just this, it's almost like that's where my life began. Right. If you want to like it, there's such a, a, a huge, it had such a huge impact that that is where things really started to go in different, like in a different direction for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, you may not know this. I'm not a clinical psychologist, <laughs> but, uh, but I'd love to peek in that uh, mind. Yours. But right. no, but I could see like, you're like, well, I don't know if it was that moment or, you know, vice versa, but like, I would have to think that it's both, right? Because yeah. you can't know the good without the bad, right? And so, like, that, that contrast of, like, wait a minute and being able to, I guess, like, you know, like, detect or ascertain or be like, whoa, like, like really how great, like, that moment was or how much you were enjoying yourself. Like, yeah. you know, definitely um, almost like, a, you know, an epiphany. Not an, I don't know. I don't, I'm not articulating it the best, but I could just see how that could be, like, the right. catalyst for, like, phew, you know, right. like almost like you said, like your life boom vector this way. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you said that, and that's about the time. So you brought up white knuckle, which yep. is white knuckle productions, productions. Yep. which I guess I would describe that at the time that I became aware of it. You know, um, Todd, Todd Perkins was heading that up, rest in peace. Yep. But a, a very, um, like it stood out in a way that was like produced well, but like raw, real, regular dudes that I think people could relate to. And I think it also stood apart from, I guess what I would call like the traditional outdoor television model that I guess was prevalent then and still a lot today. Not that it's bad. It's just, it's different. It's It's different. It's, it stood out. So, so you you meet him, you're getting into bow hunting. I mean, you eventually become like a big part of it. Yep. So yeah, I had this moment, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I want to bow hunt. I want to deer hunt. I want to chase deer. I want to learn everything about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I run into, I, I, I run into Todd. Todd's starting this thing. I don't even think he's uh, launched any DVDs yet. And so I get in with him and I'm just like, yeah, dude. And then that's why I bought the camera too. I'm like, he's like, I'm starting something different. And he had this energy about him that made me want to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was gun ho about deer hunting how I wanted to be gun ho about deer hunting, gotcha. right? He was a crazy guy. Like I'm sure you, you remember meeting him back in the day. Oh just yeah. Nuts about deer hunting. And, and so there was this, these, uh, this attraction, mm-hmm. um, that made me want to hang out with him and, and, and start to go through this process of learning how to be a better deer hunter. And so that's when we connected and that's when I started, you know, whenever I was in a tree at that point, I, I was either filming myself or at a tree st- or I had a, a guy in the tree filming mm-hmm. me. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Started just like, man, got into it. And then it instantly into media. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it, it was one of those things, which I, I kind of, I kind of, I don't want to say I regret it cause there's everything happens for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. But because of two, two things, because of the media mm-hmm. and then so i i did read a lot of outdoor life i did watch my fair share of back in the day you know when i was a kid the the monster buck series vhs tapes and mm-hmm. things like that and every everything folk was focused on big antlers big, the, big, big, big. the big buck the big buck mm-hmm. and so i hadn't even 2006 was the first time i ever killed a deer with a bow and it was a i that same night that i shot my doe i passed a small buck and i had never shot a buck before and i look back at that and i i, I say that was stupid because i instantly started going for a higher caliber of deer mm-hmm. which i eventually learned a lot about mature deer through these through these encounters but i also failed in some of those encounters with big deer 
because there's that saying, act like you've been there before. Like right. when you win a championship, act like you've been there. And when a, a, a shooter, big deer came into range, I just blacked out and lost my mind. Meltdown. B- meltdown. Yeah. Buck fever. And then that cost me a handful of good deer throughout the years. And so. And I'm not, um, uh, I'm saying meltdown because I identify with, I know what oh, you're dude, about. I know exactly. Yeah. I melted down. I blacked out and I was just like, oh my God, what should I have done? The version of me now looks back at that and goes, you don't get excited until after you shoot the deer now. Mm -hmm. Right. So I've gone through those encounters and now I'm comfortable with those type of situations. Don't get me wrong. I still get jacked up when the time comes, but I, I went through this whole phase in my life where I was only looking for big deer from about 2006 to, I want to say 2010 and the media aspect was one of them. And the other aspect was I put a trail camera out one time. And you remember those big mole trees? They're about the size of this box. Oh, yeah. They took D batteries. They're just huge, right? And then it was also film. So you'd get mm-hmm. like 24 pictures and they were all wind. Right? When you'd have to go get like, them developed. Yeah, like, oh, I didn't notice that branch. Exactly. There. So I go, to, I go to the pharmacy store, one hour development. I, I haul my ass back to the 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 farm i show the farmer i'm like dude look at this buck i want to shoot this buck and he's like don't shoot that buck there's way bigger deer on here for you to shoot than this one and it was probably like 120 inch right 10 pointer right and i'm just like oh okay okay you know like i don't i don't want to shoot something if he's not excited about it when in all reality i should have been mowing deer down left and right Mm -hmm. back back then right anything Mm -hmm. that walked in front of me in shooting range i should have let have it right it's tricky though because yeah. like you're treating one. So I agree. Like I think like I'll go back to like Mike Cabela's days when you know hunting with some some first time hunters that their perception of deer were the deer that lined the walls of Cabela's. Exactly. As a lifelong hunter, I know that that is not reality. I mean, that is a collection of deer, like a big deer sourced. World class. Right. World class. Highly managed. So you'd go out and they'd be like, well, I'm not going to pass that deer. And I'm like, okay, give me the gun. Yeah. You know, but so you kind of get, you know, by media, you could be, um, I I guess, have a false impression of, of reality, but then also in, in the same breath, it's like, okay, you're passing deer. So you're not getting the reps in, you know, completing that process. Right. On the flip side, you're extending your season and probably learning a hell of a lot about deer. Man, I'll tell you this. I learned not only, you know, no girlfriend at the time, like no job. The, like I had, I, I, I had work off and on, you know, for the next couple of years. It wasn't anything serious because all I wanted to do was bow hunt and scout and shed hunt and do all that stuff. And so I have tons of time in the tree. And with tons of time comes t- tons of observing deer behavior. Mm-hmm. And so... I think one reason why I'm successful today is because I had the hours in the stand, mm-hmm. in the woods, scouting, looking, you know, just just watching a deer live in its environment will teach you so much about how to hunt a deer in that environment. Mm-hmm. So just watching and watching and then whether it's failed encounters, which there's a lot of those, you know, you learn from your failures and then the success and the scouting and you, it all snowballs. And then for me, it was just like, it took seven years, maybe more when I want to say it was 2016. Mm-hmm. It clicked for me. And I was, I, it was almost like the matrix <laughs> where, where Neo, he's not even looking like here is a bottle. Here is a block. It was like code. Almost it was right. it, I, I was walking into the woods and I was looking at it completely different than what happened like than, than what was previous. And so it was all of these things, all of these years of failing. And I connected a couple times in, mm-hmm. in, in those years, you know, but I also struck out a lot in those years as well. And it all led up to walking into the woods one day and just being like, dang, just like, OK gut the gut started talking to me and it right. was like you need to be here you need to do this you need to do this yes i would still have these internal conversations and talk a lot to myself about how you know or question my decision making and then slowly that even starts to fade away 
where it just becomes like a reaction. Mm-hmm. Like you, you hold your hand over a fire, you pull it back. That is what the the decision making is like now. So it's just, it, it's, it really is an evolution in this last, I mean, what is that? That's 17 years now mm-hmm. of, of deer hunting that all has led up to what I'm doing now, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So I don't, it, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, like you said, though, you, you get you amass those experiences, yeah. and then collectively they just kind of yeah. become part of your your psyche, if you will, or whatever. And you just like you said, you just start. Yeah. You're able to read the woods differently. You're able to you know read sign differently. You have all these you know different experiences. You can see how deer are acting, and then there's just that. And I don't claim to be a hunting pro by any stretch of the imagination, right? Um, but there are those times that I feel are. Like, you don't even know why, but you're like, it's going to be good. Yeah. And it could be whitetail hunting. It could be something else. You're like, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with like, oh, I saw a bunch of big rubs or something like that. You're like, you just, like, I don't know if it's like barometric pressure and your body is knowing more than you are able to, yeah. um, you know, actually just like decipher like uh, from a... I you think know, subconsciously or something like that, but yeah, I think subconsciously you've been in these environments before. You're not thinking about it, but these conditions are telling your body, yes, it's uh, it's time to get in the woods, yeah. or it's uh, it's a good day to be in a staging area, or it's a good day to be downwind of a bedding area, or it's a good day to be on a draw, or whatever the scenario itself is. You just kind of like autopilot, you know. But it's that first. 2006 seven and yes i did kill a deer in 2006 uh or uh yeah that that first season but then i didn't and then i was like okay what and i I was sitting field edge i was sitting a lot of field edges Mm -hmm. and this is where todd came into play okay and he really didn't like teach me a lot about deer hunting Uh the only thing he would really say is you got to move you got to go where the deer are you got to move and never really elaborate to to me about that so how did I learn? By going in and moving and, and being mobile and, and all these things. And um, it was the failure and the access and blowing deer out of the woods and never seeing them again that led me to all these these micro adjustments to this strategy that allowed me to be, like again, like where I'm at today. And that's a pretty good place. So that, That's super cool. Well, and even just like, you know, I mean, that's actually a pretty good tip when yeah. thinking about it from just like you got to move. Like, Whatever you d- decision you made, whatever deer you bumped on the way in, it's still a fresh sit. Yeah. You know, the deer haven't seen you sit there before. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's interesting. Well, and then, okay, so eventually, yep. and fill in the gaps here, but I tune into the old uh, Wired to Hunt podcast. Yep. Yep. And there's there's my homeboy Dan Johnson. <laughs> like am I is is that the next step or or where are we at? So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of th- things. I mean, in this period of time, so I get connected with White Knuckle and man, I, from 2006 to like 2014. Yeah. I'm doing the White Knuckle thing. Um in that period of time, Todd starts another company and I help him like set the foundation for that, the, mm-hmm. the wicked tree gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we start the process of building that company as well. And, um, and then at 2014, there was a split and between me and Todd and I've never really like, this is, this is what I want to say about this is this dude was like a really good friend mm-hmm. and there was this split where two friends let something else get in between them and he passed away without me having an opportunity to really we we acted like men like tough men at the time right where we didn't talk it out we pretty much just said you know f you no f you f you and then it was gone and it was over and so then he passes away and i don't regret much in my life but there's a uh, there was a part of this where I, I wasn't able to talk to him anymore mm-hmm. about this, this, this thing. And it really, I don't know, it kind of messed me up for a while. You know what I mean? So just for anybody who's listening to this right now, 
dude, if there's a friend or a, a, a loved one in your life that you had maybe a nasty split with or something like that, it is not worth holding a grudge about it because at the end of the day, we're all going to end up where he's at. You know what I yeah. mean? And so that relationship ended. And that spring, I was I talked to Mark Kenyon. I met Mark Kenyon at a couple trade shows. And I met Mark Kenyon at, uh, um, I think it was a, uh, a white knuckle film school. Todd would put on these film schools. Right, out. yeah. And so, so Mark came in right when Wired to Hunt was born. Mm-hmm. And he was there gathering content and he was doing all this stuff. And then I think it was like 2014, he came down for a shed hunt. And me and him went shed hunting for a day. And that night we're sitting around having a couple beers and he's like, dude, I'm going to start a podcast. Do you want to be the co-host of it? And I was like, yeah, I don't got nothing else to do. So why not? So then my I, first question at that point in time would have been, what's a podcast? Exactly. So I had, I had listened to a couple of them back in the day. There was this, and I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to space. So there was Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's okay. like this astrophysicist. He has a podcast called Star Talk. Mm-hmm. And so I was listening to him talk about black holes and gravity and, you know, like what happens at light speed and things like that. Typical and, deer stuff. Yeah. So I, I knew what a <laughs> I knew what a, a podcast was. So when Mark asked me about this, I was like, Yeah, let's do it, man. And so that was the end of one thing and the beginning of something else. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. That so I didn't know I didn't know how much you would want to touch yeah. on that, you know, the, that period of your life, you know, with Todd and just, you know, that relationship, but I'm I'm definitely glad you did it and in much greater depth than I than I thought you might. And I just think that's, you know, that that's tough, man, to not yeah. be able to We always think we have more time than we do. And like you're like, well, you know, I can down the road and want to reconcile this or something like that. Yeah. And then like you said, and then when you can't, it's like you know, yeah, and, um, and you just you think you're right, they think they're right, and it's when m- maybe it's ego, maybe there's truth behind it. it, doesn't matter anymore, you know what I mean? Right, none of that matters anymore. So, uh, I don't know, man, just talk it out, I guess. I don't know, no, no, man, I thought that was, I think that thought that was amazingly good advice. And you know, I mean, that's tough, right? You know, nobody yeah. wants to swallow their pride, nobody wants to, you know, admit they're wrong, but maybe you don't even have to do that. Either. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just like, hey, whatever. Maybe we disagree on this. Let's squash it. You know what I mean. Move on. Let's be yeah. bigger than that. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it's just that's life. Like, like we're talking about, you know, just like learning from different things. Mm-hmm. That's a lesson. You yeah. know what I mean? That they're all lessons. So there, there's yeah. pause. So anyway, like I said, I'm no. Uh, you, I'm, I I just walked away, walked away from it after you go through the period of time where you know it's like, okay, I'm never going to be able to talk to this dude again. And then you just, that's when you have these realizations, you know, right. it's too late, but mm-hmm. like you said, it's, it's still a lesson. And then you, you got to be able to take that and learn from that. And then, dude, I'm just, I'm such a huge, uh, like a huge advocate for positive energy. Mm-hmm. So just like, if I maintain, let's say you're having a shit day, mm-hmm. but I'm being positive, mm-hmm. maybe your day will be less because I'm around you. Dude, for and, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So th- I, I try to, that's one thing I've, I've tried to take away from all of the negative things in my life. It's just like, number one, your problems are nothing compared to other people's problems. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're there, not even to just talk to someone, but just to be a positive vibe. Mm-hmm. And if they, if someone is happier because they're around you, well then man, that's, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, one of the most positive guys yeah. I ever knew. And he'd be like, just like he, he actually lived to a very, you know, into his nineties. Right. Yeah. But like health, <laughs> I like, I don't even know how many open heart surgeries he's had, <laughs> but like it got to the point, like it kind of like, wasn't even a big deal. It's like, Oh, grandpa's in the hospital again. He'll yeah. bounce back. Yeah. But he'd always be like, you know, like just laid up, just, you know, chest cracked wide open. And, uh, just like, he'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, no matter how bad I have it, somebody else has it worse, Yeah. you know, and yeah. like never complained about anything. So I always try to and dude, guilty as charged. Yeah, I'm I'm negative and probably complain about first world problems as much as the next person. So I'm, yeah, not I'm guilty to, as well. But I try to think back to those things and kind of you know ground myself back up. And I have to physically tell myself like, dude, check check your tone. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, but uh, yeah, no, those those are some definitely some awesome takeaways. So you meet Mark 
at a time when really podcasts, in my opinion, at least for sure in the outdoor space, oh yeah, are at their infancy. Mark Mark's podcast or Mark Anyer's podcast, the, the Wired to Hunt podcast, was the first podcast I was really aware of. Yeah, you know, because it was in the hunting space, so it was yeah. a space that I was interested in. And man, I think looking back on all of it, there might have been five. Yeah, podcasts about the outdoors that I knew about right back then. Maybe there was some that had been around, but they never. Maybe they didn't gain traction, or maybe they just they didn't do it to make a living off of it, and they just did it. And maybe maybe that number's radically low. Mm-hmm. But I felt like at that time there was maybe five, five of them. Yeah, in two, in, in 2014 when it all started, I think. So yeah, I mean, I'll I'll trust your assessment. Yeah. You were in the world at that time, uh, you know, one of five because like I, yeah, I was aware of just yeah. just the one starts to do pretty darn good oh yeah it took off man and it not only so like the brand wired to hunt obviously started Mm -hmm. to grow and i was in that you know like with you know like being the co-host on the the podcast and and that opened up a ton of doors for me and Mm -hmm. uh like and and eventually being the co-host said to me hey man there's a gap in this in his content or any other podcasting content where I can have my own podcast. Mm-hmm. And then about, uh, I mean, I, I want to say somewhere about eight months to a year later, I, I had started putting out regular episodes of the nine finger Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And, and, and at the same time, still doing the, the, the wired to hunt podcast as well. So that was, I mean, that, that was, crazy i mean that was a crazy time because i'm doing his podcast once a week i'm doing my podcast maybe once maybe twice a week i fell in love with it mm-hmm. because literally it's what we're doing right now talking about hunting in the outdoors with a stranger and i love doing that right so it was easy for me to just talk and talk and i'm a talker by nature and it just it started snowballing and rolling and and really there was no looking back from that point. Yeah. I mean, heaven, heaven forbid you do what you enjoy and talk about things that you're just like (laughs) inherently passionate about and get to pick the brains of other people who are equally as passionate, but have different, you know, experiences, perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty magical. What have you seen? Well, okay. So, so out of that kind of spawns also the empire. Yeah. So So what's going on there, man? It doesn't even seem real yet. So I do the, I think it was like 2014, late, late 14 or early 15 is when Nine Finger Chronicles started. And then, so let's just call it 15, 16, two and a half years go by of me building the Nine Finger Chronicles and it starts to take off Mm -hmm. whether I'm good at what I do or maybe just being one of the first to do it in this space, you know, like top 10 15 ish at this point all of a sudden the podcast game starts to get out mm-hmm. because mark's brand is growing right everybody else now wants to get a podcast i'm already established mark's already established like the working class bowhunter guys they're already established at this point and so i was thinking of ways to try to grow but at the same time start talking about things that i didn't know anything about like okay. uh, habitat management. I'm not good with like tuning my own bow or like DIY type guys or things like that. I, I don't know anything about Western hunting per se, mm-hmm. uh, other than my very small experiences. Right. So I wanted to find ways to take something that was already growing and, and fairly popular with the nine finger Chronicles podcast and get more people on there to talk about what they're good at. Mm hmm. And so I said to myself, well, you know, if the outdoor network is doing it, I mean, I can do it in this platform. So I asked uh, some other podcasts that were already established um, or, or even brand new to hop on my feed. Okay. Okay. And so they were talking about their expertise mm-hmm. under their brand. And so then at this point I go, well, sh- I'm just going to rebrand this feed under a network. And so out pops the Sportsman's Nation, right, mm-hmm. in 2017. And so that's the birth of the, that was the birth of the network, 
Right? Gotcha. So by the time this episode releases, we've gone through a, a name change. Nothing is going to change with the network or the podcast, uh, the format itself, just a name change change to the Sportsman's Empire. Mm-hmm. And now really, and this is the, the fast version of all this. Now we're sitting at like 20 episodes, 18 to 20 episodes a week coming out on the network um, with like 15 different brands or different actual podcasts that are on there. And by the time 2022 ends, man, I'm looking, um, my goal is to have 25 episodes a week come through the network. So, and it's a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's grown a lot and people seem to like it. And that's really all like, I, I'd like to say that I, I do it all for what I love, but what's happened is I think it was like 2018 or something. I can't even remember. It's like 2018, I believe, or early 19. I was sitting in this cubicle where I pretty much built this, this whole thing at, right? Okay. You know, like company time. That's where sometimes, you you know, there's a gray area between your full hustle and your side hustle. Right, right. So... I'm doing my job, I get my job done, and I'm sitting here with this extra time, and I start, you know, I'm working on it, working on it. So one one day I go into work, and they say, hey, Dan, we're having a meeting in this room, why don't you come in? There's probably about 30 of us, and they lay, they lay 30 people off just like that, all right? That's my last day at the job, 30 people, company cut, gone. Right at that time is when I started gaining a lot of traction with the sportsman, the, the network. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so, so that's when it started it, at that point it became less about, Hey, this is fun. This is great content. And yeah, I had monetized it a little bit, mm-hmm. but at that point it became, I want to do this as my job. Now I don't ever want to sit in a cubicle again. I want to be my own boss, all these things. And that is when it became, it's still the passion that drives, but it drives the business now. Right. And you could look at like, oh, that's you know terrible that you got fired. Probably the best thing that ever it's happened the to best, you. It is the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better person because happier. I, happier. I was in a, I was doing something that I didn't want to do for eight hours a day, and I, I, it was almost unfair for me to be working at this place because I didn't care one way or the other if that company succeeded or failed, uh-huh. right? All I cared about was this passion in my family that mm-hmm. I have. And so I got axed and the first question out of my mouth to my boss after they told us they were fires, I, I said, hey man, what time am I going to be able to get out of here today because I'm going to try to fit another episode in, record another episode. <laughs> no joke. And he's like, uh, you can, I guess you can leave whenever you want. I'm like, cool. Here's my laptop. We'll see you later. <laughs> like, I, I, I wasn't. And I called my wife on the way home and I'm like, I'm going to make this work. And, uh, she had her doubts and rightfully so, you know, we had, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like we're talking yeah. like, Oh, this is great and happy go lucky. Uh, definitely a level of stability proof right. gone. Right. right? That's Absolutely. unsettling. Absolutely. A level like of scary. Stu- yeah. To the point where, there, uh, I don't even know if my wife knows this or knew this, but they're a family of five and I had $7 and 20, I think it was $7 and 29 cents in my bank account because I was grinding so hard to make this work. And then I had my first big sponsorship check or advertising check come in. And from there it was like, like proof of concept. It can work. Yeah. I, I would still be disabled if I told my wife that, hey, listen, sweetie, not sure how the next two couple weeks are going to go, but I only have seven bucks in the account. She would have hit me with something, whatever was closest, like, or moved out or, or something like that. You know I'm what gonna, I mean? Not only am I upset, I'm going to need this insurance money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, and, and just, so then that check came in. It fun, now it funds the family, it funds the business, and I'm able to do a lot of really cool things and talk to a lot of people whose voices would never otherwise be heard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Conservation talk, right? It's not like, 
I don't want it all to be about this awesome hunting strategy. That stuff gets the most likes, it the does. most clicks. You know, like if I want to, if I titled a, po- a podcast, uh, you know, like five ways to kill big bucks, it would just crush something about. I'm gonna write that one. Yeah. Down. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a free tip for you, <laughs> but um, but then you start talking about conservation, and it's so important. Like the conservation aspect of it, the 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 natural resource side of it, the ecosystem and environment side, it, it's so important that I I said to myself, when the time comes, it is your responsibility to start talking about this this kind of content too. Mm-hmm. So that brings us kind of up to speed to today as far as the line, if you want to say. I'm yeah. sh- I mean, I'm sure there's other questions in there somewhere, but but like from 2006 to white knuckle to wicked tree gear to wired to hunt to nine fingers to the network and man just it seems almost so long ago Mm -hmm. but at the same time it seems like i feel like that period of time has been very quick yeah well yeah i mean it's it's crazy just going through that that timeline too just the when you just start connecting the dots, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh man, it's just, it really is so amazing how, you know, this led to that, led yeah. to that, led to that time, boom, timing, yeah. you know, circumstance, whatever. It's just, it's really cool. What, what have you seen in the, I mean, you're obviously in the podcast space, you mm-hmm. got the network, that space has exploded Yes. over the last, you know, 10 ish years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what else have you seen in that space? And I guess my follow-up question that with the network, like what are your, parameters for like oh yeah we'd like you to be you know part of part of the network yeah so part of the also part of the reason why i started the network was because i wanted there to be really good quality content available right Mm -hmm. on one one feed because there was a lot of crap out there as well right like whether it was poor audio poor editing or someone talking about a topic that had no business talking about a topic. Sure. Right? A lot of fakeness out there. Let's just call it that. Whether that's, you know, like, here's what you need to do to do this, and that person had no experience behind them. Right? I'm not trying to be the experienced person. I'm trying to bring other people on who are experts or have, yeah. have the experience on. Okay? So I felt like eventually the cream was going to rise to the t- top just like all anything that becomes popular there's going to be a bubble it's going to pop right Mm -hmm. and so actually i do think that in the podcast game right now especially the outdoors we've we're over the hump and i'm starting to see podcasts disappear i was going to say like you kind of see that rise and then some attrition and that like you said that cream and just kind of yep yep and so the people who are in it for the right reasons who are willing to put the time and energy into it they're they're sticking around Mm-hmm. Okay. The people who I don't, whatever their, whatever their motivation is, trust me, podcasts are the slowest growing or the slowest growing form of media that there is, meaning it takes a long time mm-hmm. to get established and, and, and for people to find you and for you to get brought into the analytics game and the um, algorithm game and things like that. And, but the cool part is, is, that group of people is concentrated, right? The people who are listening to the Vortex podcast are serious about Vortex and the content. Like that's your, for, from a business standpoint, that's your customer. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the people who are coming to listen to my podcast and uh, from a business standpoint are hunters. They're outdoorsmen, right? So I can approach that to a potential advertiser, right? This is your demographic, right? I'm not going to reach hundreds of thousands of people but these people are in the market for what you're selling right so that's good from a business standpoint so from from there i wanted to get you know i wanted the quality to be on one feed the bubble i feel has if it's if it hasn't popped it's def, it's deflating right mm-hmm. now um, people are trying it they they don't want to put the t- they understand that it, it's uh, the time and energy to get it is like a two year process to be honest with you. And then, well, and that's, I would say grinding too. Yeah. Like you better be kicking out content on Left a consistent right. basis. Yeah. 
Yep. So like the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, I'm putting out on average two a week. The Hunting Gear podcast, I'm putting out one a week. So that's three. And then I also do all of the editing and um, launching, uploading of all the other content that comes in to the network, right? All those other 15 brands. You don't have an MC Ryan? We have, no. We have an MC Ryan. No, I'm an army of one right now. Right? <laughs> you should get one of those. Yeah, I know. I need one. It's really good. <laughs> what's, what's, he, what's he charge? Uh, <laughs> Does he take, like, free tree stands? I'm not saying take, no. Do, you don't, do not even think about taking MC Ryan. I'm just saying you need one. I, I think he's probably capable of cloning himself. He's good at a lot of different things. I'm sure one of those computers back there can do can it. Can do it, yeah. So, and, and then... I don't know. So the bubble's kind of kind of deflating, and now I think with that, what's sticking around and the the network now, the sportsman's Na- uh, sportsman's nation, sportsman's empire, um, that is, it's like it's gone through the test, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's been picked up by the analytics and or by the algorithms, and people know about it, and it's it's there now, right? Well, it's kind of, uh, it's cool. It's like almost curated content where you're like, well, I like this one. So I'll likely like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of interconnected in yep. that way. So it's like uh, almost uh, pre-vetted yeah. for, a, for a, you know, a listener yep. who's like, you know, into the outdoors, into mm-hmm. hunting, into conservation, things yep. like that. So so you mentioned, you mentioned how do people get on the network? Yeah. Right. So it's not like YouTube where people come and say, hey, I want to be on your network. Okay. Everything that is on has been vetted by me mm-hmm. and I listen to it and I say one of three things to these people who I say, okay, if, you, if you're serious about something, why don't you create a pilot episode? I'll listen to it. Three, <laughs> three things I say, and I'm like giving away all, all everything that I do, but I say it's crap. It'll never work. Like just blunt with people because that's how you have to be or here, here's some criticism. Take your criticism. Make another pilot for me. They they revamp it. They send it in. Or it's, dude, you're really good at this. You want to you want a slot? And so I invite them on. And so that's kind of that's kind of how it works. Interesting. So I was expecting, and maybe this is the case. Sometimes you tell me that it would be like, oh, like I have I've established a podcast but like you said it's a very it's 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 a crowded competitive space even with good content difficult can be difficult to get traction Mm -hmm. like oh hey i want to you know i guess uh assimilate with this this greater core Mm -hmm. or collective of podcasts does that ever happen to or not yeah we've absorbed we've absorbed podcasts recently we've absorbed a couple podcasts that have uh have already been established and they they want to join the network and and they're good enough. They've been vetted. I listen to their episodes. I say, okay, you want to you want to come on, and then they say, yeah, let's do it. And then we work it out, and mm-hmm. then they're part of the the network. What would you say to somebody that was like, Dan, I'm thinking about like I guess you kind of you definitely addressed this a second ago, but like I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Whether mm-hmm. they're going to be part of the you know the network or yeah. not, what would, like what would your advice be? Google it. <laughs> I mean, me telling you how to start a podcast isn't going to help you be better at starting a podcast. It takes the research. It takes knowing your equipment. It takes knowing how to edit it. it like if you go back and listen to some of me and Mark's first interviews that mm-hmm. we did or first episodes when we were just starting out podcasting, they're hard to listen to. Right. Yeah. They're I'm d- not, I'm agree. I'm agreeing. No, thinking no. Back to when we started yeah. ours. Yeah. Like I was nervous. Yeah. You know, Yep. And so we're having these conversations, and, uh, you know, like, and, and so, and so we, we joke about that, those, those, ep, those first, you know, five, 10 episodes. And, and so you have to go through that process to get to like, I'm, you know, not to brag or anything, but I'm very comfortable right. in front on a microphone, having a conversation with somebody. Sometimes that comes natural. Sometimes that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to learn that. And there's other times where it's just not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. it's, and it could be a personality thing, whatever, whatever the case may be. But I, I am the kind of person just like my deer hunting. I was just going to bring it right back yeah. to that. Yeah. So like, man, if you want to get here, you have to go through here. And if you 
feel like you're going to skip some of this stuff, you can with money and with, you know, like more gear and, and like skipping ahead of lines or whatever the case may be. But that right there, this, this part of it is what makes this so sweet. Mm-hmm. The, the, everything leading up to, up to it. Yeah. Like your comfort on the mic is, is a direct, directly correlated to just those reps yeah. and those, those hard, reps, those hard first reps. Consistency. Right. Yep. Reps, consistency, getting comfortable. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. And I'd say that's, you know, that's a big part of it. Yeah. That's um, life though. I mean, that's, that, life. That, that's life in general. How that's, do you, how do you like, like you want to be better at Excel spreadsheets? Guess what? You got to be in Excel spreadsheets. You got to do the research about how to do Excel spreadsheets. You want to be a better. I don't. I don't, Dan. <laughs> I don't. Neither do I, I. Pre- I, I. I appreciate people that are great at Excel spreadsheets. Right. right. <laughs> I don't. You want to be a better parent? You got to. You, you have to learn. You, it's, it's a learn process. You don't like. I look back at when my daughter was born and I, I'm holding her in my hands. I'm like, uh, uh, what now? What, totally. Like, what? What now? And so, so there's that. And so that's just life, man. You got it. You have to go through the weeds to get to the, the fishing hole. If that, if that, as they say, yeah, as they say, say. right, right. I like it. Okay. Well, you've, you, you've cut a bazillion whitetail oriented podcasts, almost, almost 700 episodes just, just for the nine finger chronicles. Yeah. That's when you know that people are insane about whitetails. Oh. When you can talk about it that much, people want to listen about it that much and keep listening those things. Yeah. They just I think it's because they actually have driven us insane. So, mm-hmm. I wanted to see is there is there a or are there a couple tips that you've mined from other folks that you're like, "Man, that was kind of a game changer thing that maybe you just you use it or maybe it even helped shape, you know, some of the tactics tactics that you use on on a regular basis." What's cool and this is the best part about me being the host of this podcast and talking mm-hmm. to hundreds of people in the past, hand, you know, X number of years, mm-hmm. whether it's about gear or it's about strategy is you can try to put together a strategy to go and kill a whitetail and they will trump you. When just when like, you know, we talked about that earlier where, oh, yeah. where we were saying, dude, it's a we got to get in the woods tonight and we could have the best feeling in the woods. We could have the best access route to our tree stand. The wind could be doing exactly what it's going to do. The thermal thermals are kicking. It's one of those days where you're just like, I'm slaying today on paper, on paper. This is going to work. I'm going to write. Yeah, I'm 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 signing the check. Right. Yeah. I might as well punch my tag. Before exactly. I get on the stand. So yeah. I don't forget. A, let me call it in now. Right. <laughs> And then a the deer never shows up, or he takes a trail down further, or they bust you, or something happens, and you're you're getting you you lose, you lose. The one theme that is constant with every story is people losing, but then not giving up. Yep. And then they get back in the woods, whether it's that next morning or it's a week later, they learn from their mistakes, they observe their surroundings, they adjust their strategy, and then they kill. Yep. So it's, it's this, it's almost like, it's not a strategy, but it's a new thought process. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that happened with me through 2006 to 2000, you know, if we just want to even push it up to 2016, it was failing, 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 learning, success, success, yep. success. And so the, the theme is, is all these guys are getting it done in different ways, but it's the, pro, the, it's the thought process, it's the mentality that they are learning from their mistakes and they're more observant. And back in the day when I was hunting 30, 40 days a year, I'm hunting like five now. You know what I mean? Five mm-hmm. in some, in some, in my, as far as I was concerned. And so you're getting the job done because you've accumulated all this data. You know, you, the data is important, but now you know how to use the data. Right. Right. You're almost kind of, it's like that working smarter, not harder. Exactly. Sort of thing. Exactly. Now I could go in early season and I could push the limits and I could try to get into where this deer's bedding, blah, 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 blah. Or I could be patient. I could wait till 
you know, I could check my trail cameras. I could wait till deer historically start moving. I can put up or I could just be like, bang, trail camera, daylight picture, October 4th. Here's, I, I know this area. I know how to get in there. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so it's not one strategy per se, but it's a mindset that mm-hmm. really kills deer. If you ask me. Yeah. I mean, I look at like everything that you described there, all three could have worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you might be like, sweet, went in, got aggressive, got the buck that I was hoping to get. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to go buy a tag in X state. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I got time now. Yeah. Yeah. I get, there's a yin and yang there. All right, Dan, we're going we're gonna to wrap this thing up, but not without, I've got some, uh, some rapid fire trivia questions let here. Me, let me get a drink for this one. Okay. Right. Okay, clear the mind. I think you'll be. I think you'll be uh, rapid. Yep. Okay. I think you'll. Me and rapid just don't work sometimes. <laughs> you'll be good. Okay. All right, good. Good. Dan, a cat has blank lives. Nine. Five plus four. Nine. To say the word no in German, you would say. Nine. 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 Correct. Correct. Okay. The most popular pistol caliber is nine mil. An eastern count whitetail buck with four points on one side and five on the other, including brow tines, would be considered a... Nine-pointer? You nailed it. <laughs> Thanks for making those easy. <laughs> I feel like, hey, do that again. You ever seen the movie uh, Predator? Oh. Where they shake hands yeah. and then Arnold and uh, what's the guy from... Oh, the, my gosh. Um, Carl Weathers. Yes. Yes. And, and then just like... The flex off. Yeah. Dylan. I fe- yeah. The I CIA know, got you pushing sh- pencils. <laughs> <laughs> good movie yeah, I great love that movie. movie i love that movie. i can't watch uh or i'll catch that on tv now and again that's an instant stop for me oh instant no matter where it's at in the movie yeah yeah and yeah. if i can if i have the ability to like back it up mm-hmm. we're backing up yep and uh i'm probably going to drop something that i probably should be doing like parenting Likely. or or it is parenting because you're like mac ava knox let me teach you something. And then you sit them on the couch and you just watch Predator. <laughs> this is a classic movie. You might have nightmares for right. the next seven months. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a learning experience. I love it. Love it. Dan, thanks for coming out. Thanks Man, for joining us here. I appreciate every minute of it. Super I appreciate fun. it. Appreciate, appreciate the friendship over the years. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, looking forward to what the days will bring, right? Heck yeah. It's all we can Heck do. yeah. So, awesome. All right, man. Thanks again. Yep, absolutely. We'll catch you guys on the next one. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, or leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have a question or topic suggestion, let us know that as well via the Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or any of Vortex's social platforms. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear so we can provide the best information to help you with your hunting, shooting, and related activities, and ultimately enjoy them to their fullest potential. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.